millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Charlie Baker. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, in light of the news around Roman Abramovich and those sanctions, Kieran Maguire from The Price of Football joined us and was fascinating. Took some of your questions, took yeah. some of our questions and tried to work this whole mess out because none of us quite know what's going to happen. So it was uh, very interesting to speak to him. We also spoke to the author of a new book called Your Show. It's the story of um, Uriah Rennie, the former Premier League referee. And uh, Ashley Hickson-Lovens, who is the author and a referee himself back in the day, joined us to chat about that. Yeah, creative way yeah. of presenting the story, wasn't it? It was, Paul, yeah, yeah. It's a novel. Yeah. yeah, we had a bit of a chat and we had a birthday spread. Well, of course. Of course, it was all there. Char- uh, Andy joined us and gave us a bit of Chelsea chat as well. But anyway, here, we, here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Charlie. Good afternoon, Paul. What a, what a morning already. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's conf- it's just so confusing. I'm, I mean, I've got no skin in the game at all. And just from a fan's point of view, if I yeah. was a Chelsea fan, I'd be so confused about what happens with transfers, what happens with ownership, loanies, the future. Yeah. You know, does the club exist? In what way does the club exist? So confusing. Well, clearly, the, you know, the government have made this call, not just around Abramovich, but some of the other oligarchs and frozen the assets of a number of them. But it is complicated in the case of Abramovich, because all of these sanctions really are not set up for a football club. No, no. And then... The government have obviously done some work and they've said, okay, we'll ring fence this, we'll ring fence that, they'll get a special licence. But throughout the morning, as we've been hearing with Jim and Simon, various guests have been popping up, or if you look at social media, Chelsea fans, football fans, journalists, everybody, punters are saying, yeah, but what about? And Mm. then you think, oh, yeah, you know, I've not thought of that. Another angle comes through. Before making a call like this, there's only so much the government can do, the the decision makers in this can do. So there's lots more stuff. There's lots of questions. I suppose it's never happened before. We've seen teams go into administration. We've seen teams go out of business. But yeah. This isn't that, is no. it? No. This isn't... I mean, even down to the point where, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people have been saying, how are you going to get an entire football squad and, and everybody else uh, in comfort to uh, Lille or further afield, ultimately, if they continue in the competition, for this 20 grand limit? <laughs> Apparently, the government have now said, look, there is some flexibility yeah. around that. Because... I mean, I've got a friend who's a People were talking about mega buses, you know, there was that sort of thing. So, there... But the, On the, the British Ferry... On a serious note, there, there, you know, there's going to have to be some flexibility. Yeah. So if they if they want Chelsea to exist uh, and and to continue, uh, th- then there has to be some flexibility about how they take this going for within yeah. reason, as yeah. long as the beneficiary, as Simon was saying, isn't isn't Roman Abramovich. Yeah. I mean, it's it's 
it's such a big story because yeah. the history of the Premier League is dominated by Roman Abramovich mm. and Chelsea, isn't it? You know, and and you know, football is family, and and people's supporting Chelsea. Yeah, is just in is in is in their yeah, blood. Yeah, yeah. There's you know, lots and lots of Chelsea, you know, millions and millions, millions of Chelsea, Chelsea fans, fans who were there long before the Abramovich. Who will today be thinking? Yeah. Well, what what happens with my club? And that's what we're going to try and answer, yeah. isn't it, Paul? That well, we're going to try it, and speak to the to the indeed. right people. Well, look, uh, Kieran Maguire is going to join us, and we'll put some of those financial. If you've got any questions around the finances of this, um, there's no one better than Kieran really from the Price of Football podcast. So, you've got about five minutes to get your questions into us, and we'll do our best to put put them to him talksport.com forward slash H&J text to 81089 or tweet to TSHNJ TSHANDJ and get them in the next five minutes if this, if you've been sitting there this morning thinking mate, yeah but how will that work yeah. then maybe Kieran can help so get them into us in the next five minutes as is always the case I think fans when these sort of things happen even though the mega store is closed for reasons we, we now know people congregate at the ground yeah. and we've been hearing from some Chelsea fans uh, with Jim and Simon a little bit earlier on. Alex Crook is, uh, is, is at the bridge and uh, he'll be catching up with some of them later on. He joins us now. Hi, Alex. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Afternoon. Yeah, it's, as I said, there, is just so, there, are so, there are more questions than answers at the moment, aren't there? We're just trying to piece this together and you do sense even the people that have made the decision are to an extent having to make it up as they go along, as new sort of scenarios emerge about how this club can run in this environment. Absolutely. I'm outside the Britannia Gate here at Stamford Bridge, which anybody who's been to this ground will know is one of the main entrances into the stadium behind me. There's a big sign-up, actually, uh, announcing their next home game, Chelsea against Newcastle, here on Sunday lunchtime. In big red letters, it says sold out. That's the last time we might see that sign for a while because, of course, one of the ramifications of that bombshell announcement from the government this morning uh, is that Chelsea basically can't have any more money going through the till. The club's shop is shut, as you say, normally, even on a non-match day. Chelsea due to play away from home in the Premier League against Norwich tonight. There would be supporters here uh, buying their replica shirts, buying their, their mugs and other uh, such merchandise. That can't happen. And the only people who can watch games after this weekend are people with pre-existing tickets, uh, season ticket holders, uh, away fans may well be able uh, to come into the ground but only uh, if the visiting club take all the money and that none of it goes into club funds. There are a lot of Chelsea fans uh, milling around outside the stadium today, many of them uh, just I think trying to make sense of that announcement from the government their owner uh, Roman Abramovich has now been subject to sanctions. It's put a real uh, doubt in the mind of many people as to which direction this club is going to. We know that Abramovich has been looking for a buyer. He will need special dispensation now from the government uh, in order to complete that purchase and I think there's a lot of uncertainty uh, around Chelsea at the end of what has been two decades of almost unparalleled success under Roman Abramovich. We will be speaking to some of those fans uh, throughout the afternoon, gauging their thoughts on what has happened and what the future could hold for Chelsea Football Club. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. 
That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Kira Maguire, as promised, joins us now from the Price of Football Podcast, University of Liverpool lecturer. Good afternoon, Kieran. Good afternoon, Kieran. Good afternoon. Well, I bet your phone's been ringing off the hook today. <laughs> we do appreciate you joining us. Um, <laughs> look, so many questions. The first one that came to me was, who will now set the tariff for the sale of Chelsea? Um, because it won't be to the benefit of Roman Abramovich, of course. So uh, who is going to decide on... I mean, they can talk about market value, but that would have been argued anyway because he was he was potentially looking for a quick sale and there would have been people out there looking to drive that price down. So how will they arrive at a figure? Well, given that Roman Abramovich's assets have been frozen, the, the sale uh, is no longer within his control. Um, so we'll have to wait to see what the government says in conjunction with the Premier League. It, it looks as if from reading the... Uh, from reading the small print of there's there's been a license announced and, and published on the internet that the sale cannot take place without government approval. So um, the government would have to get involved or the government would have to appoint agents to to focus on the sale, assuming that it's going to go ahead at some point in time. Simon's scenario he was just painting there before we, we got you on. Did, did, that, did that kind of ring true to, to you? Do you think that's the kind of thing that will happen? Yes, yeah. Simon and I had a conversation before he we went on air. So mm. Simon and I talk quite often uh, mm. because he is he is the governor, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, he, uh, yeah, we, we sort of broadly said that the, the conclusion, as far as the government is concerned, is that it wants to protect Chelsea as a heritage asset, um, and and it will therefore want to to maximise the, the the return if the money is going to be used for uh, for charitable purposes. Why can't the club continue to generate revenue from outside sources? It's all part of the club as long as that money from this point on is not going into the coffers of Roman Abramovich, and it is going into that pool which would be picked up and so it's still generating profits at this point for any potential owner um i I think the government wants to be consistent with its treatment of other oligarchs who have had their assets frozen and and where um they there is a restriction as to to future revenue generation so uh, i think because there are a, a number of licenses which have been granted today dealing with a variety of people with, uh, you know, as far as the government is concerned, uh, some form of connection to Vladimir Putin, uh, that they feel that they have to be consistent in that approach. Uh, we've asked for questions from listeners on 81089 or at TSH&J on Twitter, um, and they've come in in their droves. Um, mm. Phil, the NUFC fan, and, and a few other uh, people have asked with about FFP and um, how if they've been allowed to have £2 billion in loans without penalties, what happens to that now? 
Well, loans are excluded from financial fair play because loans are, is, is money coming from the owner and it doesn't affect profit. Profit is what the club generates in revenue compared to the costs of running the club on a day-to-day basis. Um, looking at Chelsea's results recently, that they would have been within the financial fair play limits because although it's an expensive club to run, Chelsea generates more money from player sales than any other club in, in the Premier League over the course of the last five to six years. So FFP is, is, uh, has not been impacted. Um, if there are issues going forwards with regards to um, there has been talks uh, in social media of some of the sponsors deciding that they might want to review their relationship uh-huh. with Chelsea, that could have an impact. Sure. Um, Scott in Perth says, what happens with Chelsea Champions League home games? Um, I don't, they're not included in the season tickets as far as I know. Um, so if they continue in this competition um, and come through against Lille, will they be playing in front of empty stadiums? Is there any way around that, Kieran? Um, from from what we, we see in, in terms of the licence that uh, the government has published, no individual match day tickets can be sold. So unless uh, a season ticket holder has, has bought a ticket in advance, and, and clearly that's, that must be complicated given that they, 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 they're not into the quarterfinals yet, uh, we could be seeing matches taking place in, behind closed doors. Well, you th- in, in effectively behind yeah. closed doors. Do you think we're, we're probably going to see, we've already seen, we were saying earlier on, Kieran, that development that, that apparently now the government is saying there is some flexibility around this £20,000 figure for away travel because, you know, in reality it would be very difficult to make that happen, certainly if they're travelling further afield than, than Lille. Do you think we're going to see a little bit more flexibility simply because this is such an unprecedented situation? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, the the government will, uh, you know, has had to act quickly and uh, has has made, has has produced an initial document. And and there's always the opportunity to be flexible uh, going forward. Uh, You know, know, clearly, you know, transport prices are are very high high at present. Clubs would normally uh, charter a, a private flight. For, for European fixtures, and uh, you know that that could that could exceed twenty thousand pounds. So, so how that operates going forward, we, we'll have to wait and see. What happens with contracts, Kieran? When people's contracts come to the end, like the end of this season, I think Rudiger's contract. Yeah, up, there's a few, aren't there? Yeah. And or, or Loney's, you know, Loney's contracts. What, what happens with, with them? Well, the, the the loan players' contracts will automatically expire at the end of the season, um, and and the players will return back to to Chelsea Football Club. Um, but the license itself uh, is due to expire on the thirty first of May, um, and, and therefore, presumably, that the, uh, the, the government agents uh, agencies and the Premier League will be working hand in hand to. Uh, try to try to sort of minimise the, you know, the the cultural and historic issues that are, that might be of concern going forwards. In terms of individual players, uh, I don't think Chelsea would be able to sign off a contract um, for a player uh, for the summer um, un- until uh, this this client this this existing contract is either flexed or is renewed under different terms. There's a few fans of clubs thinking um, about them, you know, under Crystal they're, they're, Palace. They're, is thinking, seeing, they're seeing the main chance. Yeah. Uh, um, Gavin says, will it make it easier for us to sign Connor Gallagher? <laughs> <laughs> that's not from Kevin Day. That's no. from that's from Gavin. <laughs> we don't have to answer that one, Kira. We know the answer. And, and more slightly more serious one, Disco Dave says, are Chelsea players classed as assets and can they be sold off in the summer? He's obviously hoping for a fire sale. Mm. Um. 
registration certificates in relation to to Chelsea Football Club are classified as assets in the balance sheet um, and, and therefore potentially they could be sold in, in order to uh, especially if, if there are issues going forwards with regards to sponsors and kit manufacturing deals, um, then then those assets potentially could be sold. Um, but uh, you know, we'll have to wait to see what happens with the new contract or the, the, the new licence mm. uh, going forwards from the 1st of June 1st. Do you think, this is finally in this section, I know you're going to stick around, Kieran, which we appreciate. Um, do you think the government would want a, a, a quick sale if they, there is a decision that if this money can be ring-fenced and it isn't for the benefit of Roman Abramovich, they'll want a quick sale so they could move on from this and bring some clarity to all these Chelsea fans and indeed to the Premier League and, and the rest of football? Uh, yes, you know, the, the government's focus is on, on its reaction to what is happening in Ukraine at present. Um, and what's happening at Chelsea, you know, and that we have to contextualise things is it is minor compared mm. to uh, what's happening in, in terms of the invasion. So the government would want to be able to, to focus on other things, and, and therefore a, a quick sale is is for the benefit of all concerned. Uh, any any new owner would want to try to re-establish any reputational loss that's happened um, as, as a result of a connection with uh, you know, Abramovich and, and uh, you know, by by definition the fact that we've got this this license and freezing of assets with Putin um, and and therefore uh, it's it's in nobody's interest for this to drag on. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Football shirts in in random situations is our next guest. Kick this all off. The picture of the backstage pictures of uh, Cabaret, the hit West End music. Very glamorous, Paul. Very glamorous picture. Bowler hats, basques, fishnet tights, high heels, and a Burton Albion shirt. <laughs> <laughs> On our next guest, uh, actor Josh Andrews. Good afternoon, Josh. Hey, Josh. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, Adding a little well. bit of glamour, I'd say, backstage yeah. to, uh, to Cabaret. A bit of realism. Yeah, really grounding it. <laughs> so well, I suppose the question is why I take it you're a Burton Albion fan or that is that was a very random uh, fashion choice no I, I'm from Burton itself so uh, and to be honest I the, the shirts football shirts are really really good to warm up in because you know they're designed that to be, so you can sweat in them oh yeah you know it's like you can warm up in them that's what they're designed for I mean people rinse me a bit of work about wearing them but I think you know, they're a good choice it's better than just wearing some plain like, Adidas top or something isn't it yes. and you're representing Burton at the same time exactly on the way. my home good. club have you have you converted any of the cast to the club or not Eddie Redmayne you've got Eddie Redmayne down there <laughs> <laughs> Donna, there's Donna, Donna Mock, King of Caravans. As soon, as soon as you start talking about football in theatre, a lot of people start rolling their eyes. So you have to find your select group of people who you're able to talk to about. So back to you in a second, Josh. There's been a wicket over in Antigua and John Norman has all the details. John. It's Holder who's gone and it's Stokes who's got him. Uh, a ball that uh, Holder could have left alone and actually tried to leave alone, but didn't t- take the bat away quickly enough. The edge taken by folks behind the stumps and that's uh, Stokes' second wicket of the innings. He actually took the ball, um, the uh, the new old ball, if you see what I mean. He opened the bowling, essentially, alongside Chris Wokes and it's he who has struck. So uh, Holder goes for... Uh, 42 and uh, West Indies 206 for 5 Thank you very much John uh, Josh Andrews is with us uh, actor currently in Cambrai it's a huge it's a huge hit isn't it Josh and um, I've got a friend who's in it Elliot who is uh, Olivier nominated I think you've got a few of those um, it's been yeah. a huge hit and it's it's a it's a full experience isn't it it's like a dinner theatre and all sorts Oh, from the moment you walk in the door there's an entire prologue company 
I think they do about 45 minutes of kind of improvised, you know, relationship building with the audience to really engage them into the, the setting that we're trying to go for. And it's, yeah, it's done so well at the Olivier's. I mean, we've had 11 nominations, four actors nominated for, you know, for best actor and best actresses. It's, it's unbelievable. It's so amazing to be part of it. Now, you are the swing, uh, which is, uh, I think a lot of people listening today will not know what that is and, and what the role entails. So the Swings are rock stars. They are, you wait till you hear what this job is. This is amazing. Well, take, take it away then, Josh. So basically, uh, I describe it as the understudies to uh, the ensemble. So we learn kind of every track in the show. And then if anyone is ill, uh, we go on for them. So we have our covers, which when we cover the lead parts, but also the ensembles, we can go on for them as well. In this show, I know, I think, six tracks. So I can go on for any six people at the drop of a hat, you know, mm. hopefully <laughs> I so can do a good job of it. To put Someone it in football parlance, you're James, Mil- yeah. you're James Milner. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> any position, yeah, get me on. A utility yeah. player. Utility player, yeah. So that must take some doing. And obviously, you know, you, you learn the parts, but you need to ref- refresh yourself. You're kind of watching from the wings quite a lot of nights, are you? And just to kind of keep up with what's going on and make sure you can remember those parts if you're called upon. That's, that's it. We, we have the tannoy up in the dressing room, so we get a live feed of the show, and sometimes you speak along with the lines to make sure that you know what you're saying. Mm. Uh, we've got a brilliant camera backstage, which film, which which we can see the stage, and we go through the dance routines in the little corridor outside of dressing rooms. So it's keeping it fresh. We also have constant rehearsals, so we're going over stuff. You know, we jump in and out of tracks. It's, it's so easy for us to practice, and that's why we're able to go on and do it and hopefully do a good job of it. Yeah, if I know anything, you'll you'll hardly ever be off because dancers, it's so physical, Paul, what dancers mm, oh yeah. do it all, yeah. all the time. And they're always off, in my, my experience. <laughs> People are always off. Someone's always off the show somewhere. So, uh, so everyone's always injured. So you must have got on quite a lot. Yeah, and of course there's COVID as well at the moment. So sure. we are still sticking to the uh, isolation period. So if I've been on this last week for wonderful actor called Stuart Clark he's he's been off with COVID unfortunately so I've been covering for him he's fine he's just um, got to sit out the isolation so I've been doing that for him for the last few days and the Burton Gaffer Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank uh, you know strikes me as a pretty urbane kind of chap all those years living on the King's Road I imagine he'd like a night of the theatre he'd love that wouldn't he that would be nice front row front row wouldn't it Josh there's Jimmy there Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank in the front it would be great for him to come wouldn't it it would be fantastic (laughs) (laughs) in there yeah so um, other members of the cast occasionally slip the football shirts on if you say they're a really good thing to warm up in do you, do you encounter others well not in this show but in other shows that I've done I've done a show with a guy who's a massive Brad City a Bradford City oh, yeah, fan great. I've done a show with someone who's a huge Middlesbrough fan so uh, not in this show there's only about four people who are anyway interested in football in the show so and one of them's an, an Arsenal fan in the dressing room so he's easy to chat to about things yeah. and when you saw the picture I've got, I've got to let you go now but when when, when, we, uh, when we saw the picture in the Guardian and everyone else is there and looking hugely glamorous, glamorous I'm not saying you, you don't Josh but were you pleased to be in your Burton Albion shirt or were you like oh I should have worn my 1940s no. trilby <laughs> you know what you, you're not, you're not going to believe this but Every time there's a press shoot, I always wear my Burton Albion shirt. And the amount of times it's made it into a show programme or in some sort of promo thing. But this is the first time, I guess, it's gone out onto a a major newspaper or website that people have seen it. But 
They, the they, should, they should send you one. They should we'll get on. You should get older Burton. Get, yeah, get yeah. some sponsorship. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> good to talk to you, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Keep doing. Lovely to talk to you. Cheers, doing, guys. Yeah, good stuff. There we are. Josh Andrews there, and yeah, Eddie Redmayne, Jesse Buckley, Amari Douglas. Yeah, we saw it. It's meant to, to be incredible. What a cast! It's, yeah, I yeah. love the film. So I, you know, it's uh, yeah. but it, it's a hot ticket, Charlie, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't think they're going to give them to the likes of us. No, well, I wouldn't expect it. Not if Jimmy. Jimmy Floyd will get a ticket, I'm sure. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Paul Hawksby, Charlie Baker here on uh, Talk Sports. Well, we're going to chat about a new novel now. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Your Show. It's by Ashley Hickson Lovance. And uh, it tells the story of Uriah Rennie, the mm-hmm. former Premier League referee. I was quite surprised to read that 2008 was the last time Uriah Rennie did a, uh, a game. It's a Premier League. It's a long time ago, Paul. It does. It, 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 it certainly doesn't feel that long. Oh, we're very old. Well, they're in Lies of Tale, which we'll be discussing with uh, Ashley, uh, who joins us now. Good afternoon, Ashley. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Yeah. I mean, look, it's an interesting format to tell a story of a real person in yeah. kind of real scenarios the way you have. And I, I, he's been very kind about you on the back cover of the book. It's that kind of David Peace style that we've seen with things like the Dam United, with, with a kind of an imagining of of the mindset, maybe or or not. You tell me. I mean, you, I take it you spoke to Uriah, did you, along the way in the writing of the book? Yeah, I think um, I was definitely inspired by um, David Peace. Um, both works, both football works in particular, the Dam United and Red or Dead, which is about Bill Shankly, the second one. Um, but yeah, I think. Um, even though I was inspired by the fantastic work that is David Peace, I think mine is sort of more rooted in truth. Um, and I do play around with language a little bit more, try to make it accessible for um, obviously people that love the beautiful game as we do, but also literate fans of like literary fiction and, and just general books in, you know, in the more general sense. So I've tried to sort of um, take both, take, tick both boxes in that regard to be honest and um in relation to like getting his permission and stuff yeah i was lucky enough to to interview him um and and sort of record down details um not 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 a great deal but a couple of hours and that was enough because i had something to 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 base the story on and then i can do the rest using creative license Mm. but you know he's a hero to me so it was a great occasion What, what does he make of this this treatment of it this approach because you know um you could have gone done a straight biography it's an interesting story but you know britain's only elite black referee, but you've, you've, you've taken this kind of more stylized approach, this f- fictional approach. So what has he made of, has he read it yet? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I kept him up to date with um, really um, rough drafts, uh, essentially, every time I'd finish, um, you know, sort of one version of it. So I finished writing this and sort of t- during, during the first lockdown, to be honest, and I sent him basically some printed pages. And uh, yeah, it's, the feedback's been really, really positive because I think... The great thing is that we had a discussion and our biggest aim, um, you know, I'm, I used to referee, I still do some work with the FA observing, um, is to try and inspire more black referees or referees from marginalised communities to to get involved in, in refereeing, um, see if they can, um, you know, get as high as he did, because it's probably not good enough. No, not probably. It's definitely not good enough that he, he remains the only black referee to ever referee in the Premier League. When you think about how diverse and colourful our beautiful game is. Mm. You say you used to referee. I was going to ask, do you referee? What what made you stop? Um, yeah, so I refereed for about 10 years. About four of those years, I was like semi-pro level. Um, it was a number of factors, a bit of injury, a bit of personal things, but there was definitely this idea that um, because I was a young black boy, a young black boy who was living in London at the time as well, I also had a high top, a very Fresh Prince-esque nice. high top. <laughs> I think there was this idea, that I think I was sort of judged on my ability to referee a game before I would even blown the first whistle, mm-hmm. to be honest, and I think 
I often had to work twice as hard, um, a bit like Uriah had to do coming up through the, you know, coming up through the ladder, um, through the Northern Premier League and, and, you know, the Sheffield County Leagues. So I think we had that bond when I was talking about this book um, and that, you know, I could draw on my own experiences of what it means to be a black man in certain white spaces. You're, you probably had sort of ideas for the book before you actually spoke to Uriah Rennie. So when you sp spoke to him, how much did it shape the way the novel unfolded? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think I had an idea of where I wanted to take this novel. I wanted, him, I wanted to give referees a voice. I wanted to show people that referees, yes, they make mistakes, um, but actually they have a heart and they are, you know, they're human beings. So I think I, I always had that sort of general philosophy and ethos for the, for the novel. Um, but in relation to like when I was recording, uh, sorry, when I met him and recording interviews and stuff, like his, his stories growing up, he, he was born in Jamaica. He, he, um, he moved to Sheffield as a teenager and not many people knew that. And these stories with his anecdotes from family life were just so colorful, were just so funny and just so, so rich that I really wanted to, well, you know, that sort of shapes the beginning of the novel in, in a way that I wasn't expecting initially when I was writing the project. Did he talk to you about the prejudice that he experienced coming through the ranks and even at, at the top level? Yeah, he did. He did. Um, I would say he was quite stoic about it. You know, he, he was sort of, he just sort of got on with it because that's the sort of person that he is. You know, he's a very sort of, um, he's very driven and ambitious and individual. Um, but I think, you know, especially in the world that we live in now with all the sort of, um, you know, added attention of, of, of how we treat black people you know, black footballers, black managers, black referees, etc. I think um, now is the time to really um, showcase his story to try and inspire more uh, referees of colour. I think at the time, it wasn't a done thing to talk about, um, you know, any sort of prejudice or racism that might have existed and how that might have been a barrier for him. Because, um, like, he never refereed the FA Cup final, never refereed in the Champions League, for instance. And I think, you know, that probably that probably was an issue of race. But he doesn't like to talk about that very much. You know, he, he, he was very, very stoic and just thought, you know, it, it was what it was and he did his very best. The fact it happened sort of in the, in the, the early 2000s and there was an elite black referee, it is incredible that he is the last one. Mm. I was mentioning earlier, we've had Joel Mannix in the studio, I'm sure you know Joel, <laughs> um, who, who referees at a, a, a sort of good standard lower league level. It's hard to believe that someone like Joel or others have not come through the system subsequently with the awareness that we have now that we certainly didn't have when Uriah started his career. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't think it's been good enough in the past. I know the FA are working really, really hard through, you know, trying to sort of better the the, the numbers in, in regards to representation and stuff. But, I, you know, I know for a fact there's been some um, fantastic referees of colour um, who have not gone as far as they could have done because of, you know, there's certain systems in place um, in, relation, in, in relation to observations, in relation to which fixtures they get, et cetera, et cetera, which means that, um, yeah, they never really got sort of a, a fair crack of the whip, so to speak. But things are changing, um, which is which is great. And I hope this story continues mm. to inspire not just not just black referees, but anybody who mm. you know might come from particular uh, backgrounds that are um, a little bit sort of trickier, so to speak. Yeah, I think it's the way you've written it, the, the, the creative way you've approached the subject is, is is really interesting, and I really wish you luck with it. Actually, yeah, we, we I'm going to pass this on. We've had a young referee on our production team here who's who's doing rather well, so I will be passing it on to him, Ashley. So, look, we wish you well with the book, and uh, thanks very much for joining It's out now, I take it, is it? Oh, no, a few weeks. Oh, April okay. 7th. 
Oh, also right. out as an audio book. So yeah, absolutely. Right. Thank you so much for all your support, and I hope you all enjoy it. Would we'll make a much. great film. It would. Oh yeah. I'm just yeah. putting that I out think... there for you, Ashley. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Uriah's, <laughs> been, Uriah's been casting it in his head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he'd like Idris Elba, maybe. Idris Elba. <laughs> what a lovely idea. Yeah, that would that would be good. Yeah, yeah. we well, want to get him. Well, on, he's got a Dickensian name, isn't he? Uriah. Uriah. Yeah. You know. You want to get you want to get him on board quickly. I think. Send him it. I'll get his agent. Yeah. So it's published by Faber, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Which is the same publishers as the Damned United. Yeah. In fact, I'm working with the same you know the same editorial team. So. Um, um, hopefully it does if it's half as successful I'll be a happy boy sure yeah it's, it's very much I mean people enjoyed those books as I said earlier on they'll enjoy this it's very much got that feel so cheers Ashley yeah. thanks a lot so much thank you Ashley Hick uh, Hicks and Lovin series book is your show the story of uh, Uriah Rennie the former Premier League referee and so he's out three weeks time uh, published by Faber very interesting very yeah. good idea have you read the Damn you, United. Yeah, I, mean, I love them. I mean, read the book, book like that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, isn't it? both fine books. The Bill Shankly mm. books are very good. Again, they take their, they're really, I mean, David's been in to see us a couple of times, and they just, just take a while to get, once you get into the rhythm of the way he writes and the yeah. style he writes, you're just completely engrossed. But I have spoken to people who just, they find it difficult to get over that hump, the yeah. repetition, the style, and they think, I, I couldn't, but it's worth it. Honestly, if you've if you've done that and thought, go back in because it's worth it. Both books are worth it. They just take a while yeah. to grab hold of you, but when they do, they certainly do. Yeah, it was a whole sort of genre of football book was invented like in the by Fever Pitch, wasn't it? You know, yeah. You know, when when was that? 19, but I mean, a football was that ninety one or something. I mean, uh, um, maybe even earlier. But the, yeah, the as a novel, it makes, yeah. it makes it very very sure. different. So. Anyway, uh, Paul Hawksby and Charlie Baker here on TalkSport. Um, our old friend Bruce Millington from the Racing Post. Oh, yeah. I've not watched it. I'm going to watch it back. He was on Pointless last oh, night. How did he get on? I don't know. Oh. I don't know if he's listening this afternoon. Maybe the listeners can fill us in. Oh, it could be a bit of spoiler alert because I'm going to watch it back. Imagine, but, imagine, uh, imagine if one of the rounds was I don't horse, think it, horse racing I don't names. think it was a kind of Cheltenham special or anything. Oh, I thought we just on. Maybe I think he was just on there as a punter. He's allowed on there as a Of course as a, as he is pun, as a punter. Yeah, yeah, nice one. So, um, yeah, we'll try and find out. A regular guest, big Palace fan. I'm sure the Palace fans got behind him last night. Open he won. Pointless. Yeah. Talk, talking about Palace fans. Oh, no. It's a shame, Paul. No, no, I don't no, know why no, you said that. that. They're doing rather well at the moment. You know, it's gone <laughs> of those days. <laughs> they are. Charlie. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We've got a birthday spread coming up for you next. Don't forget, drive this afternoon at four. Uh, all the breaking news around Chelsea and Roman Abramovich with Andy Goldstein and Darren Bent and all that live football I just outlined for you on the talk sport on the app uh, that's all from 7 o'clock with the sports bar at 10 but, it is uh, illegal Paul to pick a uh, orange off a tree in Seville you've checked I've just I've been you're told, trying to get the moose arrested told, trying, to get arrested. trying to get the moose but it he's in illegal. the press room so I imagine they'll they'll furnish they'll probably peel it for him probably I would imagine they'll look asks. after him uh, anyway let's get the sport now with Ben Fletcher West Indies are making slow progress on day three of the first test after Ben Stokes took the wicket of Jason Holder in the first hour there was very nearly a breakthrough for England just now in front of TalkSport's John Norman. Yeah, 241 for five, but England was celebrating. They thought that Joshua De Silva had been trapped absolute stone-dead plum 
leg before wicket from the bowling of uh, Craig Overton, who slipped a foolish delivery onto the pads. Uh, De Silva falling, falling over almost as he tried to whip the ball through mid-wicket, missing the ball by a couple of inches. But uh, uh, what looked like a, a hopeful, an optimistic get review turned out to be an excellent one. The ball shown to be going down the leg side, so De Silva's still there. Uh, Bonner, uh, Bonner has uh, reached 50, and the deficit now on first innings is down to 70. Windies with five wickets in hand, 2-4-1 for five. Ball by ball commentary continues on Talksport 2. Chelsea will ask the government for amendments to their operating licence to allow them to function more normally. The sanctions placed on owner Roman Abramovich mean the sale of the club won't be allowed for now. A transfer ban is in place and only season ticket holders will be able to attend matches. The Premier League says the club can continue to train, play its fixtures and fulfil its obligations for the rest of the season. Today's men's and women's games against Norwich and West Ham will go ahead respectively. Finally, rugby. Sam Simmons will start for England in their must-win Six Nations clash with Ireland at the weekend. The number eight comes in for Alex Dombrandt, who drops to the bench. Exclusive international cricket live right now over on TalkSport 2. He comes down the pitch and it's out and ball. TalkSport 2 brings you big-hitting live ball-by-ball commentary as the West Indies take on England in the first test. Direct from Sir Vivian Richards Stadium, Antigua. Wow. Oh, that is amazing batting. The West Indies versus England right now. Exclusively over on TalkSport 2. Yes, it's time once again for the birthday spread, that point of the show where we bring you 10 birthdays. Andy Jacobs has collated birthdays from the week, not necessarily just today, and he'll have a gilt edge gag attached to each one of them. He'll give us those, and myself and Charlie will attempt to guess, and you at home, because we know a lot of you play at home, will attempt to guess the ages of the people. Mm. Uh, whose birthdays were celebrated this week, and we'll guess them. And as we guess them, we'll be we're bound to be some years out. You would think, doesn't matter how good exactly. we are. And just and to say, no research is allowed. No, absolutely not. Um, and a margin of error will build as we make our guesses. And the one with the shortest margin of error at the end of the ten birthdays is the winner. Um, uh, now we've uh, Andy Jacobs joins us first. Of course, good afternoon, Andy. Uh, good afternoon. How are you doing, boys? Yeah, Not too well, bad, Andy. thank you. Before we get underway, I'm sure How the listeners you, yeah. would uh, like your take on, on the events of earlier today. Well, I mean, it was inevitable. Uh, <clears throat> Brambridge had to be sanctioned. I knew it was going to happen. But I don't understand the government. I don't get what they think they're doing here. I mean, surely sell the club, pay off the football debts, take the rest of the money and give it to the refugee effort, make sure Roman gets nothing. He's going to leave his one and a half billion in there. I don't see absolutely by killing the club driving it virtually to the wall i'm not sure what that achieves in terms of loss of revenue to the government in terms of taxes in terms of jobs the prestige to the league i'm not sure it's a bit heavy-handed on the on the club not on abramovich i'd never defend him or russia or anything like that i'm not going to come on here and do that you know there's no point it would be wrong but that's what i feel i feel i don't get what the government think they're going to achieve by making chelsea go to the end of the season they won't be able to have any transfer they won't be able to do any deals they can't sign anybody i can't see what this does other than hurt chelsea fans and it doesn't hurt abramovich because he's not going to get anything out of it anyway which he shouldn't so i'm not quite sure what they've done but that's my view Chatting earlier on uh, to uh, Kieran from the Price of Football, the feeling was that they would <clears throat> be looking for a quick sale, Andy. The government is in their interest to get a quick sale. So if that happens, then then then, then the club can move on under new ownership. Well, that's basically what should happen. <clears throat> you know? And uh, 
that we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah. it's obviously not a great position to be in, really. Uh, but you know, look, it, it's it, it was always a possibility, you know, right from the word go. And uh, yeah, yeah, now it's happened. Here we are. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more. I'm sure about it tomorrow. So um, now Jeff Peters is is not with us today. He couldn't he couldn't score for us. No and he's, he's done it from very sacked far or... flung corners. Not not sacked. sacked. Oh, right. No, no. He just he just can't be with us today. And he's he's you know he's done it in Mexico in hotel rooms early in the morning yeah. and stuff. But he can't make it today. I where he is. So stepping in is the other half with you, Charlie, of the uh, National Obsession podcast. Yes. The producer. I say the producer. Laughably, of this show, uh, it is John Cadigan. Oh, there he is. Yeah, that's, Jeff's got a functioning nerve centre, but that's the nerve centre trying to connect to the Talksport Wi-Fi, <laughs> as we know, is patchy at best. We'll have a game of Frank Bruno boxing in a minute. Oh, lovely! On yeah, the Sinclair, good. Yeah. sounds good. Yeah, well, Horace goes skiing. <laughs> so, um, John, you're going to keep. In, you, uh, I'm going to What level of mathematical qualification do you have? I've got to see at GCSE math, so it's not promising. But I have put my glasses on, so that's oh, that's wow. got to count yeah, for something. something. Well, that's. Start. Yeah, Honestly, really he walks is. around this studio squinting. He came in the other day to try and change the, tan- the channels on the little TV monitor, and he's squinting into it. Yeah. I said, put your glasses. It's vanity, basically. It's what it is. Because he's sports talkie, so he doesn't want to be able to watch the actual football. No, that's the worst that's thing that could happen. Anyway, I've, got, I've, got, I've lost the last few, so I've got tactics this week, which Good. are okay. Gary Johnson tactics, which are wasp around a picnic. That's one of his tactics. Yeah. And the other one is absolute S-housery. So I'm okay. going to go with both. We'll look out for both of those. It's uh, Paul he- 18, Charlie 9. 18, 9. Way. Here's Pele. Hope you're playing along at home, folks. Here we go then, Andy. First birthday for me. I'll okay, kick us it's off. the uh, singer, wonderful singer from 2012, the Olympics, Emily Sande. Mm, Emily, Emily Sande. Sande. Yeah, I just designed a set for her new station, actually. She's such a big football fan. She wanted a sort of soccer theme. So the set consists of a series of posts, crossbars and netting. I call it Goals on Sunday. Goals on Sunday. That's nice. Oh, lovely. Nice, yeah, yeah. I loved it. What's Emily Sander? I don't know. I mean, she's been around for a while, but um, she, she looks very young. 37, I'm going to go for. 36, I've got written down here, Paul. You've written 36 already? Okay, let's see how old she is, Charlie. 35. No. Oh, oh okay. Sorry, Emily, Emily, for putting there a couple of years on you there. What's that done to the scores, uh, so, John? Paul, two out. Charlie, one out. Okay, so 2-1, uh, uh, an early lead for Charlie. No S. Housery or, or wasps around the picnic needed. Was, well, so I, was, I was around the right age, oh, yeah, wasn't okay. I, Paul? Fair so. enough, fair enough. All right, then you're first off then. Uh, next birthday, Andy. It's the twins, Charlie Reed and Craig Reed, of course, the proclaimers. Yeah. And uh, I went to see them actually as a VIP guest at the promoter. Luxury box, limo, lovely one. Problem was, the car was too big to get near the venue and dropped us off over a quarter of a mile away. My mate asked me if I minded that, but I would walk 500 yards to be there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so lovely, nice. yes, Beautifully nice sung that. Yeah. Join him. Everybody. Okay. The twins, proclaimers. 60. 60, you think? Oh, I don't know. I might go a bit younger. I'm going to go 54. 54. Andy Jacobs. Charlie, 60. No. Bang. So and then, no 60. Do I get double points? Because <laughs> does Paul have to go double on it because it's twins? No, that's, uh, see, that's no S. <laughs> so what's that done to the scores, John? Uh, so yeah, Charlie, none out. So you stay on one. Paul, six out. You're on eight. eight. Uh, okay. okay. Um, they don't need to walk 
500 miles. They've got bus passes now, haven't they? <laughs> That's it now. I would walk. You get the idea with that. Uh, so, anyway, I'll go first for the third one. Take it away. It's uh, the famous high jumper, Dick Fosbury. Oh, yeah, Dick Fosbury. And uh, every year he tries to get a new business venture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What happens to it, though, Andy? What happens it's to his another business? another flop. It's another flop. Oh, there it yeah, is. Yeah, there yeah. it is. West wow. End show. Okay. West End music. Um, he's got to be... He's got to be 80, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Got to be 80. What do you reckon, Charlie? 80. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Gary Johnson S. Housery, is it? Can you okay. do that? Well, you're well, going the same age as Paul. I'm going, that's what he did the other week to me, yeah. so, yeah, there Let's I am. see if this kind of skullduggery pays off at <laughs> the end of the game. That. That's he's, he's, he's just marking, so he's playing it around at the back. That's rubbish. He's 75. <laughs> he's 75. So the score's not changed, John? At the uh, no, what? funnily enough, no, no. not really. Uh, Charlie moves on to six. Paul moves on to 13. Okay, well, let's see. If you did that for the rest of the game, you'd just... Kill it, wouldn't you? No, yeah. I, have to go, I, have to go I sometimes have to go first. I oh, know that's true. Yeah, that's it's like it. I've never heard and it before. Like for the, <laughs> you like, do produce this show. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's that. normally watching Neighbours <laughs> at this point. So, so um, not for much longer, I said. No, uh, Charlie, shame. you go first I this time. I do go first, Paul. Okay. Neighbours, Chelsea, I don't know, I might as well give up. Yeah. <laughs> 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 nothing left. Nothing left for you, man. Nothing left to watch. What's she going to do? Yes. Anyway, anyway, imagine if they banned it, moaning. Yeah, <laughs> it's official. That would be a problem. It's official. The rock guitarist and singer-songwriter Chris Rea. Chris, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, his Welsh brother. We're going down that road. I went with him last year. He's just re-recorded a new version of his seasonal hit with Neymar and Luis Suarez. It's called "Diving Home for Christmas." Oh, <laughs> oh nice. beautiful. Yes, nice. Uh, what do you think Chris Rear is? How old do you think Chris Rear is? I think he is, I'm going to say 78. I might go a bit younger, Charlie. Um, 74. 71. Oh, okay, here we go. I've been me. <laughs> <laughs> to hell. It's not That's that old. Now, now do another Chris Rear song. Yeah. Um, oh, Boge. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, you know them all, don't you? <laughs> That's all I've okay. got. So on the that, beach. That, that, That's another one. Yeah, on the beach. <laughs> don't like the beach. There's sand everywhere. <laughs> I prefer to pour. Anyway, it's not that oh, old. Age. Not that old. You are the most ageist person I've ever Sorry, met. I know. It's, I, I don't mean it. Half these people are the same age as me. So where were we, John? Uh, Charlie, seven out. He moves on to 13. Paul, uh, three out. You move on to 16. 16, yep, 13. Okay, I'll go first. Let's see what tactic Charlie's got as we go into half time after this one. Andy. It's another singer. It's uh, Kiki D. Oh, yeah, Kiki D. Oh, I invited yeah. her to an, the exhibition of my paintings. Mm-hmm. She started attacking and vandalising the canvases before I could stop her. <laughs> Don't go breaking my art. I said oh, to yeah. <laughs> lovely stuff. <laughs> nice, yeah. Lovely uh, stuff. Kiki D. Uh, Kiki I'd D. Say Kiki D. Uh, she must be... Um, she's in the Chris Rear envelope, I'd say. Mm-hmm. As... 70. Seven oh blind 70s, mm, used to say at the I bingo. That's pretty good. What do you yeah, think? Pretty good, yeah. What do you think? <sighs> yeah, Charlie? I reckon 68. Okay. <laughs> 75. Ooh! Kiki. I couldn't if I... You can't keep doing that. It's a bit repetitive. <laughs> 75 are called Kiki. 
Yeah, yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Good, it is. Uh, what's that down the scores, John? Uh, so, Charlie, seven out, you move on to 20. Paul, five out, 21. Ooh, 21. One point in it. Humbling we've Pretty got great. as we go into half time, but we saw last night, really, didn't we, in the Bernabeu, how volatile a second half can be. Let's see if Charlie's S House tactics make a difference to the final mm. score. Uh, do hope you're playing along at home. Tell us how you're getting on. Talksport.com, text 81089, tweet TSH and J. Second half of the birthday spread up shortly. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Welcome back for the second half of the birthday spread with the scores delicately poised at uh, 20 to 21. Before we get underway, let's check in once again with John Norman watching uh, West Indies versus England in Antigua. John? Uh, 259 for five, 10 overs of the second new ball, no breakthrough through for England. They thought they had Joshua De Silva, LBW from Overton, uh, but that on-field call was uh, overturned on review. Uh, Bonner has reached 65. He's just taken 10 runs from uh, Jack Leach, who's been brought into the attack. Uh, England have been really accurate today. They've bowled well, but West Indies have batted well. So, good contest. Windies trail by 52, 259 for five. Thank you, John. Uh, Pele rejoins us. Yeah. Uh, Alan Hall, birthday spread, currently on 13. Um, I'm on nine. Got a direct hit with Emily Sandy and Kiki D, anonymous. Well well done, anonymous. Uh, A few people, 20, primetime Gav. Uh, and a few people saying uh, they're waiting for my collapse. So that's okay, nice, well, that's isn't it? nice, isn't it? That's nice. That's nice. Uh, Andy, next birthday. <laughs> yes, yeah, good. It's a it's Lord David Panic, Barrister. <laughs> Honestly, I know him quite well. I had to talk him out of a really daft idea to remake Dad's Army. I said, "Don't panic." <laughs> Oh, we are. Don't panic, panic. I, I thought we were going for panic on the streets of London. Yeah, that's right. I, mean, I remember man. seeing him in Shaftesbury Avenue. Yeah, yeah, I think I did that one last oh, year. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I saw him in uh, the jewellery court. Yeah, <laughs> you get the idea with that. Um, so, uh, Charlie, Harold's me, Lord it? Panic. It's you, yeah, yeah. Lord Panic. Lord Panic. Lord Panic, is it? Yes, yeah, yeah, you. Me, you, me, Someone you, go. me, you. Look at the time. Come on, look. 71. He, suddenly he's a, he's a producer. 71. 71, Lord mm. Panic. Ah, <sighs> oh, yeah, he could be right. 68. 66. Ooh, Ooh. clickety click. Oh, John, I think I've taken the lead. You have I? taken the lead. You're on to 23. You're two out. Uh, Charlie, five out, 25. 25. Okay. That's where I go. The collapse first. begins. <laughs> let's see, let's see. Uh, Andy, next birthday. Okay, she's the Ridges Professor of Botany at the University of Cambridge. It's Dame Ottoline Lacer. Dame Ottoline Lacer. And a couple of years back, she went missing, and I was tasked with finding her. Luckily, I was successful in my Lacer quest. (laughs) (laughs) Like a a 12-year-old's birthday party. And what's her role again, Andy? Could you let us know? Yeah, she's the uh, Professor of Botany, the Regis Professor of Botany at the University of Cambridge, and also Chief Executive of UK Research and Innovation. Okay, 78. I'm going to go for Charlie. Yeah. I've left... Um, 78. <laughs> this is an odd tactic. It's an odd tactic, Charlie. We might, we might as well just pack it in if you're going to do it. <laughs> I'm not bothering with the jokes next year. Get an and go. What's that, it, done, what's that done to this? Yeah, where old is she, Andy? She's 57. Oh, oh blimey. We both had a mare there. See, well, we? I was going to go up, you see, so I'm pleased I didn't. Oh, right. So it paid okay. off for me. Yes, yeah, so... Um, what's that done to the scores, John? You've got some proper maths to do now, haven't you? Hang on. Here we go. Here we go. Taking his shoes and socks off. Someone's saying a mathematical. Carry the one. Uh, Paul. Carry the one. Paul. <laughs> 21 out yeah. onto 44. Charlie, 21 out onto 46. 46. Okay. okay. All right, then. Charlie, you're first next. Here we go. 
Okay, uh, Baroness Faulkner of Margravine. Baroness Faulkner of Margravine. She bears a striking resemblance to the former Portsmouth and Gillingham defender Guy Butters. Yes. I'll have to tell Margravine from Butters. <laughs> hey, what does she do, Baroness Margarine? What does she do, Andy? Oh, sorry, yeah. That's <laughs> exciting. I forgot. He's a chairman, chairwoman, rather, of the Equality and Human Rights Commission. Okay. Okay. I think she's um, 66. Okay, I'll go 69. Ooh, she's 67. Ooh, Ooh, right in the so middle not there. Not much there. So, what's that done, John? The gap closes. Paul, you're two out onto 46. Charlie, one out onto 47. Ooh, it's nip and tuck. It yeah. certainly is. It's a heck of a game. It's just like last night. Mm. Yeah, maybe not. Um, so, next birthday, Andy. It's the filmmaker. He directed Crash. It's Paul Haggis. Paul Haggis. And every year on January the 25th, January the 25th rather, he's invited round for an evening at Kenny Burns' house. Yes. It would be great if Paul Haggis, <laughs> the filmmaker, and Kenny Burns, the former Forest uh, yeah, European lovely. Cup winner, got together. Hang around with each for other. For neeps and tatties. <laughs> That's lovely, yeah. Address the, ha- address address the, the haggis. haggis. Yeah, address the haggis. Uh, okay, uh, Paul Haggis, it's me, isn't it? Um... 62, I'm going to go for. 62. Yeah. 58. Big one, this one, Charlie. Regals. 69. 69. Ah, so what's that down to scores? Uh, Charlie, 11 out. He moves on to... Hold on 58 58 yeah yeah 58 yeah. and Paul 7 out onto 53 so there's look it's quite good because I have to go first on the yeah. last one because that's that's the rule yeah, so it tactics. gives you a marker and you're only 5 out so yeah. I'd say you're in good nick Charlie hope so so I'm I'm informed by the producer that this last birthday is lethal so um, really he's got a filthy mind <laughs> what did you hear it you judge for yourself let's find out here we go Andy what's the final birthday it's the jazz pianist Dick Hyman. Dick Hyman. Yep. Yeah. Me and Simon Jordan bumped into him on the way to Thorpe Park Amusement Centre. It could have been awkward, but Simon kept it uncomplicated. Yes, simple Simon met Dick Hyman going to the fair. You can have that one. <laughs> could have been so much worse. Um, I'm not saying anything. Dick Hyman, remarked. the jazz pianist, is 90. Three. Regals. <laughs> Regals. You've got five, Regals. You can go Regals. 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 Or you can go low. Ninety-eight. I'm going lower. Ninety. We well, can go ninety with ninety-nine. If you yeah, want to win it. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. Let's go. Ninety-nine. He's ninety-five. Oh! I did know he was. I'm aware of his work. Well yeah, done, fine, Paul. Fine piano player. Well done. So Paul. Um, it nearly worked. Didn't what it? was the final score, John? Uh, the final score, I think, and I might have made a mistake somewhere along the lines here, but I think it's Charlie finished on uh, 62. Yeah. And Paul, he finished on 55. 55. I think John, I think Charlie might have finished on 64 because he went he went for you right there, John. No, 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 okay. I'm right. No, I'm oh, that's right. Four, oh, okay. was four out on the oh, last right. one. Okay, 62. 62. There we are. 62 59 was the final score, was it? 55. 55. 55. There okay, we are. Well, there we are. Quite the game. The only thing that strikes me, Charlie, is that yeah. those two where you just basically copied me. Yeah. If you'd been a bit more volatile, you could have won that. But you know, I am wrong way Regals, and I would have just gone the wrong way, Paul. <laughs> so that's just how it goes. <laughs> 
Try again next week. Try again next week. Well done, Paul. The scores go up to 19-9. These are getting getting rushed and esque. Terrible now. It's terrible now. Anyway, our work is done. Andy, I'll see you tomorrow. Yep. Uh, Charlie, Cheers, I will see you on Tuesday. See we'll Tuesday. hear from you on Saturday with Max. Saturday morning, 9 to 11, hype men for the weekend. And I'm with you all week at Cheltenham next week. You Paul. certainly are. Looking yeah. forward to it. Charlie giving us all the colour, colour, colour from Cheltenham out and about on the course. Thank you, John. Thank for, you. I think uh, Jeff's going to wish he never went on holiday. Yes, he will. Yeah, <laughs> he will. Yeah, he did. Lovely did job. A pretty solid job. I mean, the maths were over his shoulder. poor, but other than that, it was very good. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll do it all again tomorrow with uh, Andy in the studio. Uh, Charlie, you're back on Saturday back with Saturday Max. morning, 9 till 11, the hype men for the weekend, Paul. Beautiful. And it. then you're with me next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, yes, please. Okay, marvellous. Okay, I do hope you can join us on one tomorrow. If not, podcast is available around four. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.